What's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our Water's Edge online Sunday morning worship experience. Once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us today and thank you so much for tuning in. For those of you that continue to share these online services with your friends and family, thank you so much for doing that. We hope it helps people and people are tuning in from all over the place. So thank you for tuning in today. For those of you that continue to give online, thank you so much for your generosity. It helps us minister to people and love on our community and love on our city. And we take what you give and we use it in a, in a great way to minister to people and love people and help people and serve people. So thank you so much for doing that. A few things that we want you to know about every single Tuesday night at 7 p.m. We have a recovery meeting. If that benefit you or someone that you know and love, let them know about that. And then on Thursday nights at 6.30, we have the Revivalist. It's a young adult social group. And so if you're between the ages of 18 and 30, come hang out with us on Thursday nights in the lobby at 6.30. Also, June the 1st is the Wednesday night. We'll be our first Wednesday night back with our junior high and high school students. We're going to go bowling that night at Petro Bowl and hang out. So that's the first Wednesday night in June, June the 1st. And then June the 4th, the first Saturday in June, we're going to have a big block party for our neighborhood in our parking lot, food trucks, face painting, games, live music, all that kind of good stuff for our neighborhood. So that's Saturday, June the 4th, make plans to hang out with us. Also on Sundays, our live and in-person services are back open. And so if you're a local online viewer and you wanna worship with us in person, that's every single Sunday, we're back in house at 9.30 and 11.15. We have two identical services. So again, we love it when you tune in online, but if you wanna join us in person, there's nothing like it. And we know that you would love it. So hang out with us, our doors are open. Okay, so today we continue with this amazing series that we've been in called The Human Experience. Experience. And this series has been all about the difficult storms that we face in this life and the overwhelming emotions that those storms produce in our life. And how does God want us to deal with these overwhelming emotions? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, and we've talked about this verse every week, the missionary says this, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all a part of the same body. All throughout the narrative of the scripture, we always see this principle and this truth, and this is what it is. Be honest, and we've talked about this. Be honest with yourself about who you are and what you're dealing with and what you're feeling. Be honest with God about what you're going through and be honest with the people around you that love you and depend on you about what you're struggling with and what you're feeling and what you're going through, even your emotions. But that raises a question, do we even know how? Over the past 24 years, I've been in the ministry being with people, leading people, praying people, counseling with people, and observing people. So for the past 24 years, I have studied the human experience and how we connect with ourselves and how we connect with each other and ultimately how we connect with Jesus Christ. And this is something that's true. There's nothing more true than being human than this. We have emotions. We are emotional machines. We are emotional beings. And the problem is this. We know very little about our emotions and we have very little words and descriptions to draw on as we were growing up. We didn't learn this to explain and describe our emotions and what we're feeling and what we're going through. It seems like, as I observe, and if you would think about this too, that many times we just don't know how to explain what it is that we're feeling. What's going on with you? I don't know. I don't know how to talk about it. I don't know what to say. I don't know what I'm feeling. You and I are primarily emotional machines who on occasion 
think. But we are not primarily driven by our thoughts. We are primarily driven by our emotions. And so we are emotional beings. We make emotional decisions and we need to understand it. And the human experience is all about this. It's all about how you allow yourself to think how that makes you feel, how that makes you behave, and how all that makes you show up for other people. The human experience about how you think, how that leads you to feel, how that leads you to behave, and how that leads you to show up for other people. And we talked about this verse. This verse is all about emotion and making a better emotional decisions in our life. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Notice the emotion. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Loving Jesus, following Jesus, Serving Jesus won't take your negative emotions away, but it will cause you to love better and love will always lead you to make better emotional decisions. And that's what the missionary is saying right here in a very simple way, that love with all that you got and love like Jesus because love will always lead you to make better emotional decisions because when you love, instead of being irritable or proud or arrogant or rude or jealous or unforgiving, instead you're patient and kind. Do we see how love helps us make better emotional decisions? Okay, so today let's talk about this. Where are the emotional places that we go with other people? Specifically, these places, and notice this today, if you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Compassion, empathy, and what's the framework for meaningful connection with other people? So let's start with the big two, and remember this today, compassion and empathy. There's been a lot of questions and discussion in the expert field over the, say, last 10 years or so over these two, specifically empathy. And this is the question that many people and many of us are trying to ask and answer today, and this is what it is. How do we be with other people? How do we be in service with them as people are struggling without taking on their struggle or their storm or their suffering? So how do we be with other people? How do, how do we serve other people? How do we love other people without taking on all of their struggle and all of their suffering? Does this identify with you? Because sometimes this can be exhausting when you're trying to help and trying to connect with other people. Some have questioned, is empathy really a good thing or is it a negative thing? And should we have less empathy? Because when you have empathy, you tend to take on the feelings and the storms and the sufferings and the emotions of others. And so should we have less empathy and more compassion? How many of you missed hugs during the quarantine or just physical interaction and connection with people? Walking alongside people. Compassion and empathy. We need both in this world. You've heard me say that you cannot be considered a good person unless you have both of these, compassion and empathy. But we have to understand them both and how they work together. So let's jump right on in. If you're still with me, Sam, I'm still with you. Let's notice this. Compassion is a daily practice and empathy is a skill set that's one of the most powerful tools of compassion. They do compete with each other, but they are not either or. Now, let's move on. Remember this today. And notice this, the most effective approach to meaningful connection with other people combines two things. It combines compassion with a specific type of empathy 
called cognitive empathy. So let's walk through this together first and notice this. I have a lot to teach you today. Compassion is the daily practice of recognizing and accepting our shared humanity so that we treat ourselves and others with love and kindness and we take and we take action in the face of suffering. So you and I must understand that a part of compassion is that when we see hurt and suffering in this world, that we take action. When we see heartache, hurt, suffering, and injustice, a part of compassion is we do something. We embrace. I'm there. I'm going to sit with you. I'm going to be with you. That is compassion. So here's a great definition for compassion, and this is one of my favorites, because once you embrace growing and developing compassion in your life, we can expect when we do that to grow compassion, we can expect to experience our fear of personal pain, because having compassion is very brave and courageous, and it moves you towards what really scares you, and this is what I mean. Here's the definition that I love. This is one of my favorites. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. Notice this. When we're developing compassion in our lives, we draw from everything that we experience, the good and the painful. Our suffering, our empathy, our compassion grows not only out of our victories, but also the cruelty that we've experienced and the terror and the pain that this world has given us. It has to be that way. Compassion has to be that way. Compassion is never a relationship between someone who's been healed and someone who's wounded and needs to be healed. And the only person who has compassion is the person who's healed. Compassion is a relationship always between two equals, between two wounded people because we're all wounded. And only when we know our own darkness as well can we sit with other people in their darkness, and let me say that again. Only when you know your darkness as well can you sit with other people in their darkness. Compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared humanity. So let's think about this again. Compassion is never a relationship between the someone who's wounded and someone who's been healed. It's always a relationship between equals two wounded people. I remember one time when I was in high school, And I experienced something as a kid at that time that really, really broke my heart. It really did. And I remember I was just devastated and heartbroken and lonely and very sad, very depressed. And one evening after basketball practice, I was just kind of in my room sitting by myself in the dark and I had some music playing and I was just really hurt. And my dad normally would always grill me and ask me what was wrong and try to pull things out of me, but he saw that I was low. And the only thing my dad did was he just came and sat with me in my room, and he didn't say a word. He didn't give me advice. He didn't do anything. He just sat there with me in my darkness and in my pain. And in that moment, I realized that he was trying to teach me to sit in my pain. Now listen to this. This is so important. So much of what we see in people today is people who cannot tolerate personal pain while they inflict it onto other people. Ouch. Let me say that again. So much of what we see in other people today are people who cannot tolerate personal pain while they inflict it onto other people, as opposed to sitting with pain and learning 
how to deal with it. This is much harder than just trying to rush in and fix everything for everybody. Now, let's move on to empathy, and let's look at empathy as a skill set, a very specific skill set of compassion. So notice this definition today. Empathy is the most powerful tool of compassion. It's an emotional skill set that allows us to understand what someone is experiencing and to reflect back on that understanding. If you have empathy, it's just like a skill set. Let's say if you were a master three-point shooter in basketball. When I played basketball in high school, I shot 53 pointers from the corner, 53 pointers from the wing, 53 pointers from the top of the key, 53 pointers from the other wing, 53 pointers from the corner. I would go back and forth every single day, every single time before a game doing that over and over and over again because in skill sets like that, you have to practice it, you have to suck at it, and then you have to get better at it, and you have to develop something called muscle memory. You can't go buy, if you've never played basketball, you can't go buy a book on how to shoot three-pointers, read that book, walk into the gym right after that, and be a master three-point shooter. You have to practice, and you have to develop the skill through practice and muscle memory. You have to try it on. This is just like empathy. You have to practice it. You have to try it on. You have to be bad at it. You have to get better at it. It's a skill set. It's empathy. So it's a skill set of compassion. We're going to make a choice every single day to understand that your pain is my pain. When you're free, I'm free. And until then, we're not. When you hurt, I hurt. And I get it because I'm listening to you and I'm hearing you. And I believe that all people go through hurt. This is a practice, but now there's two types, and this is where the discussion comes in. There's two types of empathy, and this is what they are, and remember this today. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Cognitive empathy and effective empathy. So notice this definition today. Cognitive empathy means this. If you're sharing a story with me, I'm trying to listen to you. I'm trying to understand I'm trying to stay curious. I'm trying to understand in my mind what you're telling me. But, and notice this definition today, this is effective empathy, is I'm taking on whatever emotion and struggle and pain that you're sharing with me. This type of empathy, effective empathy, is a slippery slope and it's not the best way to be. It's kind of like when someone joins hands with you. So they join hands with me. Well, this is sort of like an enmeshment. This is sort of like an entanglement. This would be like effective empathy. And this is when I don't know when your pain stops and my pain stops and your struggle starts and my struggle starts. And so now we both need help. This would be taking on the emotions and the pain and suffering of other people. This is not the best way to live. True effective empathy actually requires distance and boundaries. You've heard me say that before. I'm clear on where my struggle starts and where your struggle starts and where mine stops and where yours stops. So remember this today because this is what we want. Notice this. Cognitive empathy teamed with compassion is actually what we're looking for. Now, here's a few attributes of empathy. Notice this. Perspective taking staying out of judgment, recognizing emotion, 
communication or understanding that emotion and practicing mindfulness. So really quick, let's talk about to take on the perspective of someone else. This does not mean that you place yourself in their shoes. This is what it means. You share with me that you're hurting. And if I'm going to take on the right perspective, then this is what I do. I believe you. I listen to you. When you share your story, I believe you. I don't try to put myself in your shoes. I listen to you and believe what you're saying. Now, staying out of judgment, this is really hard. Because here's the thing about judgment. We can predict it based off two main things. And this is what they are. And remember this today. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. Areas that we struggle with shame and picking those people that are doing worse than us. If you don't have secret shame in an area, chances are you're not going to judge people for doing that same thing to try to prop yourself up publicly to make yourself feel better. But also, if you don't think that you're better than other people, chances are you probably won't judge them to prop yourself up to make yourself feel better too. And so it's very hard, but if you're going to have empathy, you're going to have to take on the perspective of other people by listening to them and believing them and not judging them. And so, and then we move on to mindfulness. And here's a very simple definition for that. This is what it is to be mindful. Notice this, and this is a part of empathy. It means to pay attention. Pay attention when people are sharing their hurts with you. These are the attributes of empathy. It's not about walking in your shoes. It's about listening, showing up, believing, seeing, hearing, understanding, and not judging. Now, this is what I want to get to today because this is so crucial. Here's this principle, this concept that's going to help us understand and answer this question. How do you build a meaningful connection with other people? What's the framework for building a meaningful connection with others in our life? Well, this is what it is. It's called a concept of, and remember this today, notice this, near enemy and far enemy, which means this. We have these qualities and attributes and emotions that we would like to have in our life that we want to be remembered for, like love and compassion and empathy. And things like compassion and love, they have far enemies. Like what would be the far enemy of love? Well, that would be hate. We know to stay away from hate because that's the far enemy of love. But sometimes instead of settling Instead of giving in to love, sometimes we settle for a near enemy because it makes us feel better and it seems like we're building a connection. And so if the far enemy of love is hate, that's obvious. The near enemy would be like tolerance. And that would make us feel like we're connecting, but it's not the real thing. And so notice this today. Instead of saying like compassion, pity says, oh, that poor person. I feel sorry for that person. I, I have pity for them, and it sees them as something that's other than you. There's a remoteness. There's a separation. There's not that shared humanity. Compassion recognizes the suffering of others as a reflection of your own pain, a mutual connection with the sorrow of life. Compassion grows out of an understanding of shared suffering. When you think about the qualities that you want in your life, that you want to be remembered for, that people speak at your funeral, it's obvious what the far enemies of those good emotions and qualities are. If you want to be loving, then stay away from hate, but also 
many times we give in to these near enemies. And so we have to ask this question because it's these near enemies, it's these near enemies that can actually unravel our relationship. So always ask this question, what's the near enemy of these good emotions like compassion and empathy? So notice this question. What are the emotions that are masquerading close or near to the qualities that we want to have, but they're not the actual qualities? They pretend to be, but they're the actual qualities that are going to unravel most of our relationships. And so understand it in this way. Notice this today. If you're still with me, Sam, I'm still with you. Pity would be the near enemy of compassion, and sympathy is the near enemy of empathy. It's easy to say the far enemy of compassion is cruelty. And when someone's cruel to you, you know it, and that'll break a relationship. You know when you experience cruelty, but most of the time that's really not where the problems come in in our connections with other people because, and remember this, on the surface, the near enemies of emotions or experiences might look and even feel like connection. But ultimately, they drive us to be disconnected from ourselves and from each other. Without awareness, near enemies become the practices that actually fuel separation rather than practices that reinforce the connection of all people. So what would be the near enemy of connection? If connection is that energy and that flow that's between us that helps us be seen and understood and disconnection is the disruption of that, if disconnection is the far enemy of connection, then what would be the near enemy of connection that can unravel our relationships? This is what it is. Remember this. It's kind of shocking. It's control. So instead of like when you share something with me and I see you and I want to help you and I want to feel for you, instead of you sharing uh, your suffering with me and I try to practice compassion and empathy, I try to rush in and fix it or control the situation or manipulate the situation or I try to get you to act a certain way because your pain is making me feel a certain way and I don't want to feel that way. And so I just try to control and leverage the situation. And so being vulnerable isn't honored, it's exploited and feelings are not validated, they're leveraged. And so the, the near enemy of connection is control. And if you're a controlling person, it's gonna unravel your relationships. Now, let's talk about these empathy near misses or these empathy near enemies. It's kind of like this. If there's two people facing each other and you place a circle in front of them, sympathy stands outside the circle and says, you're hurting, are you okay? If there's a hula hoop in between you, sympathy is on the outside saying, are you all right? I hope you are. Empathy gets inside the circle. So here's some near enemies of empathy. The first one is this, avoiding discomfort with blame. So someone shares with you, hey, I'm hurting, and then you respond, that's awful. Who can we blame? I bet it's your husband's fault. I bet it's your wife's fault. I bet it's your boss's fault. I bet it's the hurricane's fault. I bet it's someone else's fault so they can get in and kind of help you and then get out. That's not empathy. That's a near miss. Next, people do this, comparing and competition. So someone says, hey, I'm hurting. And then what do we do? If you think that's bad, let me tell you what's going on with me. Let me tell you what happened to me. I mean, I understand that you're hurting, but huh, let me tell you what's going on in my life. Man, my microwave went out. 
And we try to do that to, to kind of try to tell people, yeah, I connect with you. I kind of understand, but we really just kind of want to get in and out and we don't really want to practice empathy. It's a near enemy. It's a miss. And then we do this, notice this, advice giving and problem solving. And that's really an attempt to just control people too. Because unless someone asks you for advice, don't give it. Sit with them. We need to learn how to tolerate pain and sit with each other. And then lastly, and this is the best one for us, it's empathy. And this is what empathy says, you're not alone and I'm with you. Now, the reason why we need to understand all of these emotions in a better way, because number one, we should take our emotional and mental health seriously. Number two, we should take our relationships seriously because the Bible tells us to love each other. But the, one, but the main reason and another reason why we should take all of these emotions seriously, specifically compassion and empathy, is because the Bible tells us to. The reason why we dive into great detail into understanding these things is because the Bible tells us to. Notice this, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must put on tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others above all. Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For we are his members of one body. We are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Notice the key words in this passage. It's all about meaningful connection with other people. Loving ourselves properly. Loving God properly and loving the people around us properly. Notice why we need to understand our emotions, compassion and empathy, just by looking at the key words in this passage. Tender hearts, mercy, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, making allowance for each other's faults, love, harmony, and peace. One of the reasons why we tell people to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. One of the reasons why we encourage people to live what the Bible teaches. It is the greatest commandments. Love God and love people. is because love leads us to make better emotional decisions. It won't take our negative emotions away, but it will lead us down a healthier path. And we will connect with other people in a meaningful way. I hope this helped you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have a wonderful week. We love you so much and we cannot wait to see you back next week.